birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel has said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and a thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Where does peace come from? Within, in the heart, from love, from friends and family. Numbers, basically, that's why I find peace. Would you consider your life peaceful right now? No, um, because there's too much killing and violence and stuff going around. I mean, you can't even, like, like back in the old days, you can leave your door open and, you know, people wouldn't say too much and then um, um, people kidnapping and stuff, so I um, think it's peace. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Name three things that worry you. Um, I'd have to say also STDs, um, flunking out of school, and going to heaven. Going to heaven worries you? It, well, what worries me is not going there. <laughs> Where do you find peace? At home, on my couch, watching sports, baseball, football, that sort of stuff. Where does peace come from? 
peace comes from relaxation, friends, family. Would you consider your life peaceful right now? Very. Have a good weekend. Thank you, you too. Where does peace come from? I can't, it comes from inside. Where do you think peace comes from? Uh, with them. Where does peace come from? I think you have to make your own peace. Where does peace come from? Uh, inside, I think. Where does peace come from? With him. Great question. What is peace? Where does it come from? How do we get it? In our text this evening, the angels sing about it. Glory to God in highest heaven, they say. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We've probably heard those words hundreds, if not thousands of times. Recited them ourselves just as often. We find them in store windows. We find them in advertisements on Christmas cards and even in Christmas carols. They're such familiar words that most unbelievers have even heard them. So familiar that maybe they've become a pie-in-the-sky sentiment that doesn't even seem possible. Just makes us feel better to say it. Maybe we'll never achieve it. But on the one hand, we tend to think of peace on a global scale, where nations are no longer at war with one another. But you know, in the past 3,400 years of recorded human history, humans have only been at peace for about 268 of them. That means for every year of peace, there have been 13 years of war. Only 8% of recorded history could be said to be peaceful. Peace on earth. Is it possible? In the news just this week, some of the headlines, two nuns have been caught embezzling half a million dollars from their school funds to pay for their gambling trips to Vegas. A video has been brought forward by Maryland police in hopes of finding the parents of a little girl that was ordered to steal packages off of people's front porches. Or this one, the Indiana teen who was arrested for killing his pregnant girlfriend because I don't want to be a father. That doesn't sound like peace on earth to me. The angels sung about the Messiah bringing peace on earth. It's been 2,000 years. Where is our peace on earth? If Jesus came to bring peace on earth, why is there so much hatred? Why is there so much evil? What if the reason we don't have peace is because of us? What if we're the ones that are keeping peace on earth from happening? Jeremiah 17.9 says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how really bad it is? That means that my heart is wicked and so is yours. If we're left to ourselves, we will cheat and we will lie, we will steal. We will do whatever is necessary to get our own way and protect ourselves. 
We are all by nature selfish. We are greedy. We are very self-centered. We will all say terrible things about that one person if we're provoked enough. We will all be challenged or, or tempted to be violent if the circumstances are right. That is our human sinful nature that lives in us. See, the real problem in our world today is the universal condition of the human heart. The problems we see in the world are not one nation being better or worse than another. That's not the point. The problem is not one religion over another. It's not even one political ideology over another. Those aren't our problems. The problem in our world today is our human heart. That is where the problem lies. If we want to know why there's no peace in the world today, we need to look in the mirror. The problem is me and you. The problem is all of us together. We look at ourselves with rose-colored glasses. We think we're doing okay. Oh, but that group over there, but those people, oh, they're not doing so good. Did you see what they were doing? But in reality, they aren't any worse than us. In fact, we're more like them than we are different from them. We share the same basic human nature. There's no peace on earth because we're not a peace-loving people. We're not a peace-filled people. We are anger-filled. We are hate-filled. We are greed-filled. A couple of weeks ago, I had gone to a doctor appointment, and I was sitting in the waiting room waiting for my name to get called. And barreling into the office came a woman, older woman, and she runs up to the front desk, and she says, I need to see Dr. So-and-so right now screaming at the office staff and they they returned they said i'm sorry she cannot come to talk to you right now she's she's on a phone call no i need to talk to her right now and if she doesn't come out here right now and take care of this problem for me i'm gonna i'm gonna start yelling louder and i'm sitting back there thinking oh and they she keeps she keeps raising her voice and raising her voice And then out, I see a a woman come across, and she had red eyes. She was not looking like she was having a good day. And she talks to this woman, and she says, I am so sorry, ma'am. I just got off the phone with the hospital back home, and they've informed me that my mom is dying. She says, but I will do my best to take care of your problem. Now, you would think that the patient standing there would back up and say, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. That's not what happened. She said, I am sorry to hear about your problem. She said, but you, you need to fix this for me. I'm going on a cruise Friday, and I need my hearing aid to be working by then. 
And the doctor behind the desk said, I understand, but please be patient with me. Did you not hear what I just said to you about the news I just received? And the woman again says, I know, I'm sorry, but you still need to fix this problem for me. And she threw her hearing aid across the desk and she walked out. Wow. And as I sat there and I thought, wow, what a wicked person. And God said, no, no, not so fast. He said, not so fast. Don't go there so fast. And he brought into my memory something that I was ashamed of. Where I was going through chemo and radiation and we had taken our family to Disney World. And this was our first trip after my surgery and I was in a wheelchair and I wasn't happy about it. I was really cranky about it because I couldn't do the stuff I normally did. And I wanted this trip for my kids to be special. And, and so I was about to get on the monorail. You know, they pull out that special ramp for you to get up. And, and there, was, there were a lot of people in there. Not handicapped, just in there. And they were trying to push me up. And these people would not move. These people would not move. And I just started voicing my dissatisfaction with the people in that monorail. And I will tell you, I, I, I did not, I, I was just salty. But not the good Christian salt and light salty. I was the really bad negative salty that you just want to run from and say, Lord, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. But it was me, and those words did come out of my mouth. And I'll tell you, that night, I was up all night in prayer. Lord, forgive the words that came out of my mouth. My point being that it's very easy to look into a situation that's happening before us and say, oh, what a wicked person. But that wicked heart, that wicked heart is in us too. We can come up with a million excuses to excuse why we displayed wicked behavior. But does it really excuse it? Not so much. We're more alike than we are different. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 3. No one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder, destruction, and misery. Always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. You see, there's no peace on earth today, but the problem is not with Jesus. The problem is with us. We are the reason there's no peace on earth. We serve a God that's a personal God. He didn't just create the universe and step back, detached from all of it, just to see what would happen. That's not the God that we serve. Everything in the world has purpose in his plan. 
And his plan is that you will seek him and that you will love him as much as he loves you. He wants a relationship with you, a personal relationship. And that is his plan for bringing peace on earth. One person at a time, one heart at a time. See, in light of that, there's no such thing as institutional peace. There's no national peace. There are men and women in the world who love peace. And there are men and women in the world who love war. And I'm not talking war like tanks and armies. I'm talking war like drama and chaos. We need to remember, our Heavenly Father loves us. He cares about us so much. He will not force us to love him back. Some scholars will call him a gentleman. If you want to stay angry, he'll let you stay angry. If you want to stay bitter, he will let you stay that way too. If you want to be critical, negative, and judgmental, have at it. The Lord will let you stay that way. If you want to be filled with prejudice and violence, again, he won't stop you. He will let you stay that way with all of the consequences that come along with it. God respects your freedom to choose. He respects your will to choose. And that's why peace treaties will never last. This is why the message of peace will never come from a peace conference. It will never come from a protest. The message of peace is spread one person at a time, one heart to another heart. That is how peace spreads. It's from my heart to your heart, and then from our heart to others. That's how we spread peace. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace, not because he was ushering in a time of global peace. He is the Prince of Peace because of the spiritual harmony and unity that occurs when man's relationship with God is restored. That's the first step of peace. In our sinful state, we're enemies of God. Yet while we were sinners and enemies of God, Christ died for us. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with our Heavenly Father. That's why he's the Prince of Peace. That's where peace on earth starts. It's the deep abiding peace between our hearts and our Creator that cannot be stolen from us. That's the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's work as the Prince of Peace. Peace can only start in one place, in the heart of God. And he desires to give us that peace, but it only starts when he is the most glorious person in our life. If you want the peace of God to rule in your life, God needs to rule in your life. If you want peace, the Prince of Peace, to bring peace into your life, Jesus needs to rule your life. 
God's purpose is to be the most glorious person in our lives. That key to peace is keeping together what the angels declared in our scripture tonight. Glory to God in highest heaven. Then peace on earth. Peace on earth happens when God is glorified. And only then. Who is God pleased with? He is pleased with those who believe. He is pleased with those who trust him. Paul wrote about it in Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God's promise becomes real for us and produces peace in us only when we believe in him, only when we trust in him. Paul wrote about it in Philippians 4, one of the most recited verses in all of Scripture. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, only then, will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're constantly being tempted. We're constantly being distracted by our worries and by our fears, our guilt and our doubts. Every one of those things is a threat to our peace. But God wants to guard your heart. He wants to guard your mind with his peace. And his peace goes way beyond anything that we will ever understand. We try to limit God's peace. We try to put it in a box and understand it. If it makes sense to us, well, then that, okay. No, God's peace will never make sense to us. Maybe you remember in October of 2006, a man walked into an Amish schoolhouse and he began shooting. It resulted in the death of five girls and major injuries in five others, all between the ages of 6 and 13. But despite the horrific and tragic act that took place, it was the response of the Amish community that took the world by surprise. Amish neighbors comforted the shooter's family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted the shooter's widow, the in-laws. One Amish man held the shooter's father in his arms for hours. The Amish community even set up a charitable fund for the shooter's family. They attended the shooter's funeral. The widow of the shooter wrote an open letter to the Amish neighbors, thanking them for their forgiveness, thanking them for their grace and for their mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. 
Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. That is the peace of God. One community responding out of the peace in their own hearts to bring it to another community, another family that desperately needed it. And it changed the world. It impacted the world. That's how the peace of God moves. That's how the peace of God spreads. See, when we bring our anxieties and our confusion and our doubts to God, his peace comes back to us. It protects us from the disabling effects of our anxieties and our fears. Only then can we carry on in ways that God gets the glory. And when God is glorified, his peace is revealed for others to see. One life, one heart at a time. What we like to do is create circumstantial peace, like some of the people in the video. I go, I sit on my couch, and I watch a football game. That's peace. We can create our own peaceful moments, but that's not the peace of God that transcends our circumstances, that transcends our understanding. We can sit in a quiet place. We can take a coffee break. We can watch TV. But that's only circumstantial peace. It's based purely on our circumstances. For a moment, not the craziness, the chaos, the pain of our lives. Only the peace of God can do that. Only the peace of God will get you through the loss of a loved one. Only the peace of God will get you through the betrayal of a friend. The loss of your job. The battles with your health. Only the peace of God can transcend your circumstances. See, the things that we do to create peace in our lives, they're meaningless unless Jesus is the center of them. And the source of them. We like to fix things. We want to fix problems. We want to fix people with problems. That's who we are. Oh, I'll help them. I'll fix them. We have to recognize our own problems first. We have to recognize our own sinful nature The stubborn, self-centered attitude that says, it's my way or the highway. See, our sinful nature is all about self, pleasing self, promoting self, preserving self. I have a sin nature, and so do you. Under the right circumstances, we might do the wrong thing. Only Jesus can fix it. Only Jesus can bring peace into your life. If you want to help others, 
If you want to bring peace into the world, it starts with you and me in our hearts. Remember that old song from the 60s, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. There's truth to that. Peace on earth starts in our hearts. We have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to let Jesus into our lives and bring us peace with the Holy God. Our first step to peace is recognizing and accepting Jesus as Savior. And when we accept Jesus as our Savior, there's an awareness of how he has forgiven us and taken our fear, taken our guilt and our shame and filled us with his peace. And when we become aware of what God has done through Jesus, there's a sense of amazement that rises up. That's where peace comes from. That kind of peace transforms our heart. It makes it tender. It makes it kind. And it makes it forgiving towards others. Paul wrote about it in his letter to the Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Jesus forgave you. Jesus the Savior is born. And his birth is good news for all people. Jesus came to bring peace on earth by reconciling man to God and to one another with the power of his love. His glory and his reign continue to break into our world. Wherever the lowly are lifted up, God is glorified and peace spreads. Whenever outcasts are welcomed in, God is glorified and peace spreads. When the hungry are fed, God is glorified and peace moves forward. Wherever enemies are reconciled, God is glorified and peace moves from one heart to another. Wherever the good news is proclaimed, whenever sins are forgiven, lives are transformed. And that is how peace is spread. One person to another, one heart at a time. Going back to my doctor office visit, after I had my moment of of God pointing to me that... um, I wasn't as different from that woman as I thought I was. And then my name had gotten called, and I, and I went back, and the doctor that had been helping me, she's, she was a little frazzled, and, and I said, excuse me. I said, I said were you the, the woman that was just yelled at by the patient out front? And she looked at me, tears filling up her eyes again, and she said, yes, yes. She said, I'm so sorry. 
and I said, no, I'm sorry. I said, you should never have been treated that way, and I am so sorry for what you just went through. And then the floodgates came, and she just started crying there in front of me. This is the doctor that I was coming in to see. And, and she sat there, and she said, I'm so sorry. She said, this is so unprofessional. I shouldn't be crying in front of you. And I said, listen. I said, listen, I'm a pastor. Let me pray for you. I said, let me, let me, you know, this is okay. I said, let's take time and just focus on you for, for a bit. And so we just sat there, and I let her talk and let her vent, and she was trying to get home to visit with her mom to see her, to say goodbyes before she passed. And I'm sitting there, wow, Lord, you are the Redeemer. You are unbelievable. It is your peace that transcends understanding. After we had our time together, and, and she still, she kept apologizing and apologizing over and over. I said, please stop apologizing. I said, I'm just grateful that I could be here and talk with you and pray with you. And then as I went to another room, and, and she kept walking by me and saying, thank you for your kindness. That's all she kept saying. Thank you for your kindness. And I thought all I did was listen. Sometimes that's how we spread peace. It takes just a, a kind, compassionate heart that just says, I'm here. Why don't you just talk to me? I'll listen. Or that one person that maybe just needs a hug, a shoulder to lean on for a little time. That's how peace spreads. You want peace on earth, it starts there. That's how we do it. What do you choose today? There are men and women in the world who love peace. And there are men and women in the world who love drama and chaos and war, even in their own homes. Which one are you? We need to remember that our Heavenly Father loves us so much. He'll leave you right where you are if that's what you choose. If you want to stay angry, He'll let you stay there. Is that how you want to live? You want to live angry and bitter? God respects your freedom to choose. He will respect your will. Are we doing all that we can to bring peace into a situation? It's rough out there. I know it's rough out there. We are assaulted on every side. The enemy is out to get us. We have targets on our back. And Jesus is our peace. We're running towards him, saying, Lord, I need you. I need you to fill me up. I can't do it on my own. I can't. There's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of pain out there. Jesus is the answer. 
but we got to let them in here, and then we got to let them out. We heard several examples in our God sightings today of how peace moves from our heart to another. That is peace on earth. As we celebrate our Messiah's birth, are we choosing peace? Or are we choosing to be a part of the problem? Are we so filled with the peace of Jesus Christ that others around us just can't help but get a glimpse of him? Or are we just blending in with the rest of the people out there? Carrying around our own little bag of anger and bitterness. It's not worth carrying it. Let it go. Jesus came to bring you peace. Accept it with both hands. Paul told us in Romans 12, he said, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. There are times when we have to walk away where peace is just not possible. But when you stand before the Lord, can you say that you've done all that you could do to live at peace with everyone? Or are we trying to substitute the Lord's peace with our own little moments, our bubble baths, our coffee talks? Those are good things but not as substitutes for the peace of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus who ushered in a peace for us in our relationship with you. Father, your peace defies our human understanding. We try to recreate it, Lord. But there's nothing that compares to the peace that we receive when we come to you through Jesus. Father, as we leave this place, may we be encouraged by your word. May we be bold and courageous in spreading your peace. May we always remember it starts with Jesus. Amen. Where do you think peace comes from? Where do I think? Oh, I know where peace comes from. Okay. <laughs> I know. I mean, um, I think the Bible teaches it best, you know. Jesus said something. He said, the peace I give, not like the world gives, you know. And I think it's found in the book of John. So the peace that people really need, which I think is the lasting peace, comes from knowing God. Not just God, but having a connection with faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, I think that's what many people miss. I found that, and I think it works. Um, I've lived that life for some years now, and I think it's a true word that Jesus spoke. So that's where peace comes from. 